Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, for the blue white breakdown first one in february so i'm excited about that the closer we get to warm weather i'm all about it i'm bob flounders uh as always joined by greg pickle and once again another interesting week uh greg as far as talking about stuff uh you know we got over the weekend we got the uh we got the prompt from penn state that mike yersich the new oc was going to talk today which he did at noon, and normally we'd be leading with that, Greg, but there is yet another move that's going to impact the Penn State football program. I think this one is also pretty significant. Uh, Will Levis, uh, is, this is, that Will Levis is in the move. Will Levis left the tran- for the transfer portal last week. Uh, this is, a, I think, a pretty major move as well as uh, it's there's there's reports out there starting with Sean Fitz of Lions 247, Tyler Bowen, Penn State's uh, tight ends coach, very good recruiter, um, is leaving to join Urban Meyer's NFL staff with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's start with that. And then, guys, we will get to our takeaways from Mike Yersich. But, Greg, um, you know, we, we, we've been talking for weeks about, you know, who might leave, whether asked by James Franklin to leave or who might leave for better jobs. I think you and I thought there were probably only a couple of guys that actually might be coveted maybe by another program. And it turns out you had mentioned Tyler Bowen and now he's out the door. Greg, your thoughts on how big of a loss this is for Penn State. Yeah, Bob, we talked about it, I think, on the way home from the Illinois game when we first started kicking around the idea of possible coaching staff changes. And Bone was never a guy who was going to be asked to leave or whatever, but it was always a possibility that there was going to be a way for him to upgrade in the coaching world or go up Mm -hmm. in the coaching world. And turns out that, as you know, the report came out Monday night from Lions 247 that Bowen's going to take a job on Urban Meyer's Jacksonville Jaguars staff. It will be his first NFL job. And certainly if his goal is to be an offensive coordinator one day, which based on the fact that he called plays at Fordham and was Penn State's interim offensive coordinator for the Cotton Bowl, I think it's safe to say that it is. This is a place you can go and learn and get that NFL, uh, you know, on your NFL job on your resume. And it's really, uh, you know, a chance for him to, you know, continue moving up the coaching ladder. So big loss for Penn State. Obviously, he developed and helped recruit a lot of really good tight ends, Pat Fryermuth, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and developed a room that really is among probably the best in the country when you talk about total tight end production and talent on your roster. So, and he could recruit positions beyond tight end as well. So big loss, no doubt about it. One that I think James Franklin certainly knew was a possibility at some point, maybe not February 2nd of 2021, but it was going to happen eventually unless an offensive coordinator job came open in Penn State. Obviously it did not with Mike Yersich. So we'll see what the future holds, but yeah, certainly one that uh, puts Penn 
Penn State in a bit of a tough spot as a lot of staffs have been filled out now uh, throughout the month of January. But as we saw with uh, the Sean Spencer situation last year, uh, James certainly will have somebody in mind to go get. Yeah, and the fact that that Urban Meyer, uh, you know, on the on the NFL level, Greg, you know, there's really no recruiting. So not only is Tyler obviously a valued uh, coach as a recruiter, but Urban Meyer must have thought enough of him as a developer of, I'm assuming, tight ends. I don't know. Maybe he also has experience with the offensive line. I think he's a very versatile guy. He was the interim OC for Penn State uh, in the Cotton Bowl when they ran all over Memphis. Ricky Ronnie had left to take the old, old Dominion job. Tyler Bowen stepped into that, and you have to say he did a great job. So guy can wear a lot of different hats. When Urban Meyer notices you, uh, not too many bigger feathers you know, in your cap. I have to think, Greg, at some point, Tyler Bowen's going to be a head coach. I don't know at what level it's going to be, but he clearly is on the fast track. Uh, congrats to him. Just real quick, um, you know, yeah, so they do have, obviously, you know, they do have Theo Johnson coming back and Brenton Strange, but with with letter of intent day, uh, you know, quickly approaching, like within hours of our doing this, um, they also have some other guys that they, they have tried, that are going to be coming in that are, you know, valued tight ends do you think that James Franklin and Tyler have been able to smooth things over so it's not a big worry that Penn State could lose anyone yeah so obviously Khalil Dinkins the lone tight end in this class is already signed sealed and delivered so now you've turned the attention ahead to 2022 where you have Holden Stays and Jerry Cross two four-star tight ends that are already committed no movement from them as we talk here at 210 on Tuesday, February 2nd. We'll see what the future holds. Obviously, both of those guys committed to the idea of not just playing for Bowen, but playing in Kirk Scirocco's offense. So we'll see <laughs> if right. that changes anything for them, if it's now, if it's later, you know, what have you. Both have said such glowing things about Penn State, but that's obviously two big, pretty big staff changes based on uh, what they committed to versus what they have now. So we'll see. But, yeah, those are the two to watch at this point. And obviously anyone else Bowen had a hand in recruiting will be in that same boat as well. Bob, before we go into the Yershit stuff, I'll just say this. The fun uh, talk of who could replace him, candidates, all of that. We've received a lot of questions about Adam Brenneman, of course, the Penn State player, Cedar Cliff alum, Arizona State tight end coach. You know, Herm Edwards has shown a lot of faith in him. I think you and I both agree that it's hard to see him leaving that situation. But, uh, you know, uh, what James Franklin's talked for years now, since he's been here in 2014, about this idea that he always has a list of candidates at the ready whenever a change is being made. And we found out about this Monday. I guarantee you James Franklin did not find out about this Monday. So I can, uh, I think everyone can rest assured that the work is already being done to uh, round out this staff again. Yeah, and never say never with anything. We, we have a history, Greg, of sometimes jinxing ourselves. So anything is possible. Nothing would surprise us. You mentioned Adam Bredeman, who is uh, out at Arizona State, promoted to a full-time tight ends coach after just one year, I believe, as a, as a form of a grad assistant. Um, so he's got to be, and, you know, I follow him on Twitter, uh, and he, uh, he clearly, as a recruiter and a position coach, is doing some great things. So we'll just see. Um, but, yeah, you're right. James has a plan for everything, and we will see uh, what the future holds for the next – or who the next tight ends coach will be at Penn State. So let's move on to Mike Yersich. Uh, very interesting guy. Uh, talking to him, you can, very clear to me, uh, he has a vision uh, for what he wants his offense to do. He has a plan. 
Um, and Greg, Greg, I had to laugh because two or three weeks ago, uh, James Franklin talked about his vision for the 2020 offense, and he mentioned three things specifically. And it sounds like Mike's Yursich is they were actually either Mike borrowed James's or James borrowed Mike's because Mike and he see completely eye to eye. He mentioned them almost in order, you know, big plays on offense, limiting turnovers and scoring more points. That's what Mike talked to about today. I thought that was pretty funny, but is there one or two things that jumped out to you uh, as far as what Mike had to say? Uh, I have a couple as well, but what were your, what were your one or two things that kind of caught your attention? Yeah, he is extremely well-versed in coach speak and generalities. I can assure you of that. You know, he was talking a lot about uh, the hallmarks of his offense, being physical, being fast, all the things that you need to do to winning college football in 2021. But, you know, a couple of things jumped out. Number one, he's obviously in no rush to pick a starting quarterback or really discuss any specific parts of his offense after about four weeks on the job. He was pretty upfront about that. Noted that Christian Bayou coming in as a January enrollee at quarterback is important because they only have three scholarship guys. Thought he might get asked a transfer portal question. He did not. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, And then overall, Bob, I think it's pretty clear that he has a vision. You know, he said this is going to be Penn State's offense, not Mike Yersich's offense. And I think that will give some people some flashbacks to when Kirk Sharaka said that. <laughs> Maybe that didn't go so well. But something tells me that his idea and James Franklin's idea aligned so closely that I'm not really sure you're going to be able to tell much of a difference. So, you know, those kind of things, a continuation of what Franklin talked about previously, uh, Yurcich very much backed him up on that. And it sounds to me like he wants to get the coaches up to speed, get the players up to speed and then use spring practice uh, in a way that no one could last year, which is to evaluate guys on the field in live reps. Yeah, uh, just to circle back on something, Greg, I don't see any way that Sean Clifford is not the starting quarterback. Maybe Mike didn't want to talk individually about players, but with Will Levis gone and you look, they have three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, including Bayou. Um, I believe Taquan Roberson would be the uh, would be the middle guy and now the presumptive backup. We'll see how uh, the offseason plays out. I mean, there's been so much movement, Greg, at Penn State's quarterback position behind the starter the last couple of years that I just literally have no idea uh, what could happen. I, I, but I do have to think given James's love for, uh, for Sean Clifford, I think, you know, he had a decision to make when Sean struck, when, when Sean struggled, you know, uh, early in 2020 and Will Levis was, you know, kind of right there poised maybe, for a little bit of a QB uh, controversy. I think James James backed Sean. They won their final four games. Will had a role as a design runner. He did throw a couple of passes, but he's no longer an option. Uh, but I think he's almost has to be the quarterback. And he did play better as the year went on. So we'll see what Mike can do with Sean Clifford. Maybe James thinks that, you know, some of the things that maybe Sean couldn't do last year weren't necessarily all on him. I wonder if he thought maybe he could have been coached a little better, but we're going to find out. Sean would have been a redshirt senior in 20 uh, this year, 
but you know, the 2020 year didn't really count. So he's going to be, I think, a redshirt junior twice. I don't know how else to explain that. But yeah, I think we're going to have to start calling guys, you know, a fourth-year player, a fifth-year Yeah, that's player, what I've already started player. doing yeah. because uh, you, you, you basically get to repeat your grade if you want to, and it's not a knock on you. It's just what the NCAA allows. I thought one of the more interesting things of the whole uh, give and take between Mike was – uh, Rich Scarcella asked him about running the quarterback because when he was at Texas, Sam Erlinger, I always want to say Ellinger, maybe it is Ellinger, he's a good quarterback. He ran the ball a lot. When he was at uh, Ohio State, Justin Fields ran the ball uh, quite a bit, as Penn State remembers from that 2019 game. Well, you know, Mike Yersich talked about a couple things. He talked about risk versus reward when you do that. He talked about your quarterback depth chart. But, Greg, Sean Clifford has shown he can run the ball. But it, I, I think ultimately it depends on what they think of Roberson because you have to be comfortable with your number two quarterback not only playing because, you know, if Sean gets banged up, but also uh, running the ball as well. I just don't know. I don't know how much you can run the quarterback if you're going to run him 100-plus times uh, when you're really not sure about your number two quarterback. How about you? Yeah, I was going to say let's cut right through that answer, which was basically trying to – exactly what you said, which is that, you know, if you're going to run your guy and you're going to put him in harm's way, and I don't think that just because the quarterback situation is what it is that they're never going to run Sean Clifford. Right, they're right. certainly going to pick their spots, and they're going to drill into him that unlike last year – he can't just take off and run and put his head down and get a yard or two at the first sign of trouble. You know, one thing that uh, made Mike Yurchitz go back to something Kirk Shiraka said was he said, there's a couple of different things we have to understand with our quarterbacks. What's really important is that our eyes have to be right and our feet have to be right. Yeah. And remember, Kirk Shiraka talked about that with Sean Clifford too. And I think the fact that they missed so much time on field together really impacted Kirk's ability to – help him in that area, or maybe he just wasn't able to help him. We'll never know. But that's going to be Yurcich's biggest task is making sure Clifford can get through all of his reads and making sure that his footwork's right so that his passes are more accurate, more consistently. So, yeah, I agree with you. It was pretty clear that, you know, they aren't going to make Sean Clifford a statue. They aren't going to make him play between the pocket, and that's it. But at the same time, they are going to be careful uh, with the fact that if they he gets hurt and you don't know what's behind him or if you don't like what's behind him, you're not going to have any choices. So that's what goes back to that. Will they find somebody in the yeah. transfer portal to come in? A lot of people think right. they must. I don't disagree. But again, if you bring in a guy, you better be sure you like him more than the guys you have here because you're right. going to ruffle some of those feathers. Even yep. if you say you're going to bring a guy in, Bob, and you know he's not going to beat out Sean Clifford, but he can beat out your backups, that causes problems too. So. Right. You know, this, the portal will be continue it will continue to be interesting to watch that. But no, I agree. That's exactly what he was getting at. And they are going to have a, shall we say, wiser approach, I think, to running him in 2021. Agree with you there. All right. We're way past the halfway point of the blue white breakdown. We've already talked a little bit about Tyler Bowen uh, moving on from Penn State. We're still talking uh, currently about Mike Yersich and what he had to say about. Uh, the 2021 offense and his coaching style. But, Greg, it's that time where we ask the uh, audience to rate and review us, give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. They want to ask us some questions for future breakdowns. I think we'd be happy to accommodate them as well. Uh, I will. I just want to give a little plug. The way we have this week structured, uh, 
Dave Jones is going to join me on Thursday, barring a last minute change of plans. We haven't talked to Dave for a while. I'm sure he's got a lot of good, great opinions about some of the things that's hap- that have happened at Penn State. But Greg, why don't you just tell the audience kind of what they can do to, to kind of get this podcast and also uh, make fun of us if they want to, but also tell us if we're doing an okay job. Yeah, Bob, it is another edition of the Blue White Breakdown. And get it anywhere you find your audio, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are, we are. And we're also found on the video version, youtube.com slash State. Bob, we have to check and see if Joe Hermit has put together that intro music yet for the episode. We'll yeah. find out if he got on that or not. He promised he would. We'll see if he did. I guarantee you it's some kind of music band from the 80s during his days growing up in Pittston. We're going to be saddled with that because Joe, Joe's got strong opinions. I'm, I'm prepared to roll the dice. I hope the audience is as well. Joe, if you're listening, you have carte blanche. It could be anything. Uh, hopefully uh, it's not disco or I could even leave with I could even live with country a little bit, but no disco, Joe. That's my only request. So hopefully you'll take that to heart. Greg, I have been dying to talk about this next segment because it's kind of, I think it's kind of near and dear to your heart because I know you always get a chuckle about it. Uh, and also I thought we learned a little bit. Uh, Neil Rudell, uh, longtime Penn State beat guy, columnist Altoona Mirror asked Mike Yersitz a couple of questions that Penn State fans have been wondering about I think since the start of the 2016 season when Penn State went to the spread with Joe Moorhead a will Penn State how do you feel about your quarterback under center and two how do you feel about the use of fullbacks? Now, I know I bet I, I didn't get to see your reaction, but I bet somewhere you were smiling at the thought of that question. And I thought I thought your shit gave two interesting answers. So go ahead. Yeah, obviously, well, I guess we'll start with the fullback and the fact that he mentions using multiple tight ends, using yeah. those guys as extra blockers. And Penn State has the tight ends room to do it. Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson. And again, I think this goes back to what James Franklin was talking about when he hired Mike Yersich, which is that they want to get more guys snaps. They want to yeah. get more guys the ball, whether it's as a blocker coming in as two tight ends, whether it's two tight ends running routes, whether it's multiple receivers getting into the game. They want to get more guys on the field. They think it's going to help with recruiting, with production. It has for Mike Kiersich and pass stops, certainly. So I thought that was just another uh, incl- you know, another uh, thread, I guess you could say, between James Franklin and Mike Yersich and their philosophies being similar. So, you know, the pieces just keep adding up as to why my, uh, James Franklin went out and got Mike Yersich after he was let go at Texas. But, yeah, as for the under center thing, he seemed to support the idea. I'd have to go back now and see how much Texas went under center. I don't feel like it was a ton. I can't really – didn't see a ton of Texas games yeah. this year, but the ones I did see, I don't remember seeing that a lot. But – it certainly wasn't the outright refusal that we've heard before where <laughs> the word was that, you know, we don't practice that. So we're not going to do what we don't practice and we're never going to practice it. So stop asking about it. So it was certainly not that. And I always, I just have to laugh because Kirk Sharaka got kind of the same introduction to that question too, where I assume these guys come into this situation and have no idea why. <laughs> why that is being asked, why that matters. And I'm sure it leads to some interesting conversations with the uh, SID folks afterwards. But yeah, certainly not an outright refusal, Bob. A couple of things. I think it's safe to say that Neil Neil Rudell's love for the fullback position at Penn State knows no bounds. Um, But I, I think that for the fan base, 
I think what I think I think what Mike Yersuch is trying to say is basically tight ends are the new fullback. So you're not so and the body types are different. You're not going to see, you know, a six foot two, 250 pound uh, athlete in the lineup in the backfield. You probably will see a six foot five, 245 pound athlete line up in the backfield. But, you know, the days of Sam Gash and Brian Milne and, and all those guys, John Whitman, they, they were great players, but it was a different game. There's different body types. The versatility of the tight ends who can maybe line up as an H back, go out and catch passes. I think it benefits uh, the, an offense now more because it's really hard to account for them. You know, are they receivers? Are they blockers? How do you, what, what, what do you consider them to be? So I give credit, Neil. I give credit to Neil for asking that question. And also when it comes to under center, I, th- I just wish James Frank, I think what people are trying to say is, can you just run a quarterback sneak on third and one instead of having the running back six yards deep? Like if you're under center and you quick snap it and it's third and a short one, I think you have a better chance with, with the quarterback sneak if you're right under center. I, I don't think they're asking for anything else. But I'll, we'll just see. We'll just see how that plays out. I just, I just, I, I don't know why I'm laughing about it, but it just seems like it's never going away. Feels and like every- it has to happen now, Bob. But Will <laughs> Levis, there's no Will Levis to run as a battering ram from five, <laughs> six yards deep anymore. So I think that almost has to happen at this point. When it happens, though, and if we're in the press box, I'm just going to focus my binoculars on Neil Rudell. You can focus yours on Audrey Snyder, and we'll see if their heads explode. Um, a couple more things just to get to real quick on this edition, Greg, uh, you know, Mike talked a little, a little bit also, he was asked about throwing the ball, uh, in the middle of the field, you know, and he's had some success, I think doing that, you know, and that's not something, uh, I don't think we've seen a lot of that, uh, at Penn state. We've seen some of it, but you know, there's been, there were, there were a couple years where it kind of felt to me like. The the as far as the the wideouts, almost a lot of their routes were those 50-50 balls, those contested catches, you know. But you didn't really see a lot of stuff across the middle. Seems like Mike is a bit a little bit of a bigger believer in being able to do that, but also balancing that with throwing the ball outside. In other words, Mike is is seems like a little bit more prepared to use all of the all of the field, all fifty three and a third yards or whatever it is in the passing game. And I think that is probably a fair point that maybe Penn state has not done that with their wideouts. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Bob. I think that when you look at Parker Washington, when you look at Keandre Lambert Smith, obviously Jahan Dotson, some of these other guys that Penn state has, you know, you just wonder if they were, they obviously each those three in particular had big years or bigger years than expected, but you just wonder Mm -hmm. if there's a little bit more there, if there's a little bit, uh, different different things they can do um, both with their skill set and with some different play calling and schematic approaches to get open and find more uh, big plays down the field. We know that uh, that Mike Yurish is going to come in and want to play a vertical game, want to get the ball down the field and all that. So certainly I think that's something for the receivers and Penn State fans to look forward to. And then when you talk about different things that receivers can do, he did not specifically address why Penn State ran so many fades in the red zone last year. <laughs> But he did talk about some of the things that you need to do to be successful in the red zone. And I mean, look, everyone knows what the problem is when you get down there. There's less space to defend. There's more guys in more areas. But Penn State was not I don't want to say without a clue in the red zone, but pretty close to it. I mean, they relied on the same couple of plays that didn't work 
almost every time they were down there and it led to more field goal tries than touchdowns. So that's another breath of fresh air that I think Yersich will be able to uh, put into this Penn State team. I do think if he's going to run the quarterback, that's when you're going to see him run it. He talked about the numbers game and, you know, 11 on 11 versus 11 on 10. You know, when the quarterback's involved as a runner, it's 11 on 11. When he's handing the ball off, it's really 10 offensive guys against 11 defensive guys. Um, uh, But honestly, in the red zone in 2020, they certainly ran Will Levis a ton in the red zone. It just didn't work. So hopefully, I think it's going to be scheme versus, you know, uh, matchups also, but and hopefully here's hoping that Mike's plays are a little bit more creative because they, they did struggle tremendously to score touchdowns in the red zone. It certainly, it certainly cost them, you know, uh, in the Indiana game. It also cost them dearly in the Nebraska game, especially late in that game. So we'll see how it looks. It's easy to say, you know, it's going to be better, but sometimes you just have to, sometimes you need to have the horses and maybe if you have Noah Kane as your running back, you can finish some of those drives in the red zone. I think people forget that they really never really had him in uh, in twenty in twenty twenty as well. All right, Greg, I think we're going to put a bow on this. It's a wrap. The blue white breakdown, the Tuesday edition. Uh, thoughts on Tyler Bowen moving on to the pros and Urban Meyer. Uh, thoughts on Mike Yersich's first press conference with the Penn State media. Interesting, very interesting. I thought thirty minutes with him. Uh, you can tell he's very passionate about offensive football. And he's got the resume that's impressive. You know, the last couple of stops, uh, they've scored a lot of points at Oklahoma State. His one year at Ohio State, his one year at Texas. So if James can get to 40 points or closer to 40 points in 2021 in most of the games, Penn State's going to have a lot better chance to win more games. We'll see how that goes. But, Greg, uh, hopefully Dave Jones and I will be talking Thursday. We still have uh, the second signing day coming up later this week, although the hay's really in the barn with Penn State, so we're not making maybe as big a deal about that, Greg, because we talked about the transfer portal additions. We've talked about the December signees, so maybe there'll be some news for later in the week, but we wanted to focus, I think, on the Tyler Bowen news and obviously the Mike Yersitz news, and I will be back, hopefully, knock on wood, with Dave Jones on Thursday, so you guys get ready for that.